Welcome to Faith and Freedom. We hope to inform, inspire, and encourage you to stand up for faith and freedom as we discuss victories and challenges in the courts, in public policy, and in the culture. Faith and Freedom is brought to you by Liberty Council, a litigation, education, and policy organization. Join us now as we address the latest cultural issues across America and around the world. The Supreme Court issues a favorable ruling regarding religious freedom and school choice. We're going to be talking about this on Faith and Freedom. I'm Matt Staver, founder and chairman of Liberty Council. Joining me is Holly Mead. Well, Holly, this is a great decision. It comes out of Maine. The Supreme Court issued a 6-3 to decision in the case called Carson v. Mackin, a case that challenges Maine's law that discriminates against parents based on religion by providing some families with tuition support for school choice but not others. In other words, in Maine, because there are certain rural areas where there's not certain kinds of public schools, there's nothing available for the kids for a public school, Maine has decided to fill in those gaps by providing parents with an opportunity of a school voucher to attend a private school. But if that private school is religious in nature, the main program denies the parents, at least up until this decision, the right to have the school choice option. That was before the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court found that that was unconstitutional. Right. That was really discriminatory. But, you know, it's exciting, Matt, to see, okay, we recently won a religious freedom case in on behalf of the Christian flag from the Supreme Court. And now it's very encouraging to see this case come out as well. So we're um, we're two for two here on yeah, this. Yeah, and, and, the, and the, the thing about it is, even though our case was in Boston, Massachusetts, and this is in Maine, it's the same First Circuit Court of mm -hmm. Appeals. Yep. In our case, the Court of Appeals got reversed 9-0. to zero. In this case, the Court of Appeals got reversed 6-3. to three. So it's a great decision. Not a good track record this year for the First Circuit Court of Appeals no, that governs that no. part of the country. And it's encouraging, too, that Chief Justice John Roberts wrote the opinion for this religious freedom case. Yeah, he sure did. And then uh, the dissenters were uh, Kagan, Breyer, and Sotomayor, with Breyer writing an opinion and those two, Kagan, uh, signing on to and Sotomayor partially signing on to. And then she wrote, Sotomayor did, a dissenting opinion of a few pages, and really she distorts what the Supreme Court has actually said. But the scenario in Maine has been going on for quite some time until it was challenged. This particular law goes all the way back to 1982. And what happens is Maine has certain rural, sparsely populated areas. Not all school districts run their own secondary schools. So where there's not a secondary public school to help the students in those districts attend secondary school, the state has paid for students to attend either another public school or a private school of their choice. But since 1982, the state has only allowed tuition payments under the program to go to private schools that do not provide any religious instruction. And, you know, I would say kudos to these three families that filed suit on behalf of their children, because now this decision will set national precedent. It sets national precedent for sure, and it is based upon other precedent, and that's why, you know, Sotomayor, we're going to read some of her quotes, and they're yeah. just histrionic, frankly. Pretty scathing. But uh, if you look at the actual majority opinion, it's based upon a long history of free exercise of religion decisions by the United States Supreme Court. So Chief Justice John Roberts wrote the opinion. It's six to three. And he says in the opinion, 
quote, a neutral benefit program that gives public funds to religious organizations through the independent choices of the recipients of those benefits does not violate the Establishment Clause, the principle outlined in two recent cases, Trinity Lutheran versus Comer and Espinoza versus Montana Department of Revenue, decide this case. Because the benefits hinge on whether a school is religious, the main program effectively penalizes the free exercise of religion. So when you have a school voucher case, and I think this is a key component, where it is given to the parents to make a decision whether to put their child in a private school of their choice, and they can choose a private secular school, or they can choose a private religious school, it's not the state making that decision. It's the parent making the decision. The individual parent gets the subsidy or the voucher and can take that voucher to whatever school of their choice. And in this case, they excluded, since 1982, they excluded any school that was religious. The court decision goes on to say, the unremarkable principles applied in Trinity Lutheran and Espinoza suffice to resolve this case. Maine offers its citizens a benefit, tuition assistance payments, for any family member, for any family who whose school district does not provide a public secondary school. Just like the wide range of nonprofit organizations eligible to receive playground resurfacing are eligible to receive main tuition assistance payments here. And like the daycare center in Trinity Lutheran, BCS and Temple Academy are disqualified from this generally applicable benefit solely because of their religious character. By conditioning the availability of benefits in that manner, Maine's tuition assistance program, like the program in Trinity Lutheran, effectively penalizes the free exercise of religion. Yeah, so bottom line, the high court ruled that this Maine program violates the free exercise clause. Yeah, so you have this going back. They actually cite cases all the way back to Everson back in the 40s about you're not able to discriminate against people of faith under the free exercise clause. And you have the Trinity Lutheran case. The Trinity Lutheran case, interestingly, was a subsidy to uh, provide uh, upgrades for daycare playgrounds. Mm -hmm. And you had like recycled tire, rubber tires that they would put, you know, around the swings and the slides and so forth. But they said for this... Trinity Lutheran School, you can't have that because you're religious. The Supreme Court said, no, that's a benefit neutrally applied to everybody. You can't discriminate on the basis of religion. And you had something uh, similar in the Espinoza case as well. You have it here. And when you have a neutral benefit, a benefit from the government that provides this benefit, whether it's refurbishing a playground or a tuition voucher, you can't just simply exclude religion, that's a violation of the free exercise of religion. Right. So what happens, however, is Justice Breyer writes a dissent. And he thinks the Supreme Court should uh, focus more on what's called the Establishment Clause of the First Amendment and that this should be banned. And uh, then Sotomayor writes a strong dissent, and she says this, quote, What a difference five years makes. In 2017, which is the year that Trinity Lutheran came down, I feared that the court was leading us to a place where separation of church and state is a constitutional slogan, not a constitutional commitment. 
Today, the court leads us to a place where separation of church and state becomes a constitutional violation. Wow. She's very upset. She is a little upset. <laughs> <laughs> she wanted to go out with a bang in this dissent. Yeah, she did. And uh, But, you know, uh, the fact is, this has been a battle, a fight that we have been waging since we started Liberty Council in 1989, and others have been focused on this as well. Because if you go back to the Everson case, Everson cites this, Everson actually cited uh, with religious freedom, but it is known for this idea of the wall of separation letter from Thomas Jefferson, which Thomas Jefferson used that phrase one time, never used it before, never used it after. What did he mean by it? He was asked by different people as the executive of the United States to declare national days of fasting and thanksgiving. He felt that he was unable to do that as the executive because he could only carry out what the legislature did. And so he was not going to impose on the states a national day of thanksgiving and prayer, and he was not going to do something that the legislature had not already enacted, and he was simply the enforcer rather than the creator of the act. So he wrote this, and he said, there's this wall of separation that's between the church and state. He never used it before, never used it after. If you look at what Jefferson did, for example, as uh, he was operating in the state uh, or the Commonwealth of Virginia, he actually proposed a law that would penalize individuals, including churches and pastors, for not engaging in a state or Virginia day of fasting and prayer. Hmm. So you can see how he operated differently on a state level versus how he operated on a federal level. But they used that separation of church and state as a shorthand version for the Establishment Clause, and the Supreme Court rejected it many years later, said this is not historical. And the good news is case after case after case has brought the Supreme Court back to a better balance. It's not quite there yet, but it is getting closer, and this is a great decision for the free exercise of religion. One of many, building the wall one brick at a time, building sort of the house back to the way it used to be, the Constitution, one brick at a time. For information, visit lc.org. You've been listening to Faith and Freedom, brought to you by Liberty Council. We hope that we have motivated you to stand up for your faith, family, and freedom. Get informed and get involved today. Visit Liberty Council's website at lc.org. The website again, lc.org.